continuing in a series on uh, the foundation doctrines. And uh, we've seen in Scripture that there are six foundation doctrines to the Christian walk. And we'll open up again with the Scripture that has been our text for this series of teachings. And that Scripture is in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And we know that that word perfection means maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, and of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so we see in Scripture that there are six foundational doctrines, and these doctrines, it's very important that every single believer has a full understanding of every, every one of these doctrines, because they're the foundation. And if you're going to have a, a, a life in your Christian walk whereby you are going to walk as God has called you to walk, if you have a shaky foundation, you're always going to take strain in your walk as a as believer before the Lord. However, if your, your foundation is strong, um, you will walk as the Lord has called you to walk in this life. And uh, as, as baby Christians, we're expected to know these particular doctrines, understand them, apply them to our lives, and walk in them. And as we do, we can then build on that and uh, grow in the things of God. And so we're dealing with, uh, in this particular series, um, on the foundation doctrine called the laying on of hands. And we've dealt with what is the laying on of hands, and we're dealing with uh, a, a, another section regarding this particular doctrine. Um, and we started that in our previous teaching, and that was the fact is that we lay hands on the unsaved. And we're carrying on with that particular aspect of the teaching today. The fact is that we're called to lay hands on the unsaved. That is what uh, uh, one of the primary uh, reasons that we have that doctrine in the body of Christ is that our Lord has called us to lay hands on the unsaved. And um, you recall that our Lord, when he walked on the earth, he said to the apostles and the disciples, he said, Behold the harvest, and it is white unto harvest. and pray that the Lord of the, of, of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. That, that harvest is still white. It hasn't changed. And God is still wanting laborers to go out into his harvest and to bring in the harvest into the kingdom of God. And it's not only the full-time ministry gifts that are called of God as laborers to bring in the harvest. It's the whole body of Christ which is called by the Lord to bring in the harvest. We are all fellow laborers together with God. And each one of us have the power of the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us. And it's in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that God is wanting us to go out into the harvest and bring in the harvest into his kingdom that they may be saved. And um, we're going to have a look at a couple of uh, scriptures today to look at two aspects with regards to the laying on of hands. The one is we want to look at... um, what is the purpose of laying on hands for the unsaved? Why does God make us, or, doesn't make us do it, but why does he ask us to do that? And then the second thing we want to look at is uh, the fact that we as believers are meant to be walking epistles uh, in the world today so that uh, the unsaved can look on our lives and see what it is to be a Christian and what it is to be uh, a son and daughter of the Most High God. And so the first, uh, we'll have a look at uh, a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to comment on those particular scriptures. Um, And we're dealing with why it is that the Lord has called us specifically to lay hands on the unsaved. 
And the first scripture I want us to look at today is in Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 32. Um, scripture says, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And then the next scripture I want to ask to look at is in Acts chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. Scripture says, They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. They being Paul and Barnabas and his ministry and their ministry team that was with them. Uh, they were going to be persecuted, and so they uh, left those particular cities. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without sin, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight in your feet. And he leapt and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And then moving on to verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And then there's one more scripture I want us to look at before I comment, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning at verse 24. And uh, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And so why is it that our Lord has called us to lay hands on the unsaved specifically? The main reason is, is because he wants to demonstrate his power and demonstrate his, the, the moving of the Spirit of God tangibly in front of them. In that it can be a sign to the unbeliever. The Lord wants to perform signs to the unbelievers. And the purpose of the signs is so that they can believe in the gospel and thus can be saved. And so that is the main criteria as to why it is our Lord wants to uh, lay hands on unbelievers. Is that he wants us to perform the signs that accompany the laying on of hands. And the signs of, of accompanying of laying on of hands, we've read in Scripture, we've had a look at three accounts in Scripture um, as to what actually transpired through the laying on of hands. And that first account was when um, Peter went down to the city of, or the town of Lydda. Now when Peter goes down there, Peter's already got a reputation for a healing ministry. You will recall that we, we had a look at the, the previous teaching uh, where the Lord mightily used Peter, that uh, even walking through the marketplace, they used to uh, put the sick out on, on beds and lay them out so that 
even the shadow of Peter touching them healed them. And so Peter had a reputation as being anointed of the Lord to heal the sick. So when Peter goes down to Lydda to minister to the, the, the disciples down there, he goes down to hold a series of meetings for them um, in order to preach the gospel. But word is obviously out there that Peter's arrived in town. And with his, with his reputation as being used of the Lord to heal the sick, they would have brought many into his meetings who needed to be healed. And this is one instance here where um, Aeneas is uh, paralyzed and he's been bedridden for eight years. And the Lord uses Peter to heal Aeneas. Now, the, the scripture doesn't specifically state that Peter laid hands on Aeneas, but the scripture says to us, um, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you, arise and make your bed, then he arose immediately. But you recall we've, we've looked at scripture previously where our Lord walked into Peter's uh, house and Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And the scripture says that uh, in, in the one gospel account, the Lord rebuked the fever and the fever left her. But in the other scripture, other gospel account, we see in the Lord uh, took her by the hand and the fever left her. And so it is very likely that Peter at the same time as speaking to Aeneas, laid hands on Aeneas and Aeneas was healed instantly. Um, and Aeneas, Luke in his writing of the, of the book of Acts, always speaks to, when he refers to a believer, he always speaks about the, a certain disciple in the Lord, or a certain disciple. And when he speaks about an unbeliever, he always writes a certain man. And in this instance over here, when he talks about Aeneas, he, he says, and there he found a certain man named Aeneas. And so it is very possible that Aeneas was an unbeliever who was brought into Peter's meetings um, expecting to be healed through Peter's ministry. And Peter laid hands on him and he was healed instantly in front of everyone. And look at the, art, the result of that healing that takes place. And scripture says that, so all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon, so the, the adjoining town of Sharon, saw him and turned to the Lord. And so it's a very clear indication here, a very clear example given to us in Scripture that God uses this uh, miraculous healing um, as a witness to everybody that God's power is real, that the Lord is real, that the gospel is true, and you can now believe in the gospel and be saved. And what happens is everybody in the town of Lydda and Sharon gives their heart to the Lord. So it has a huge impact. Um, of this, this ministry of laying on hands on the unsaved, demonstrating the power of God. You will recall when uh, um, um, Peter was used with John when they went to the, 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 the gate, uh, to the temple to go and uh, pray, uh, that Peter raised up that, that um, man who had also been crippled from his mother's womb. And look at the impact of that uh, uh, sign that the Lord performed through Peter at that time. The Bible talks about the fact that I think 5,000 were added to the church in one day based on that particular miracle that God performed through Peter's uh, ministry. And exactly the same thing happened here in Lydda, that through the ministry of Peter, through his laying out of hands and healing the sick person, an unsaved person, everybody in the town of Lydda and Sharon knew about Aeneas being bedridden, and they knew that he couldn't walk. And when they see what God does, they recognize that the power of God is real, and they believe the gospel and are saved. And then we get to Paul's account, when Paul goes down to uh, Lystra and Derby. Well, he's with his whole ministry team, and obviously Barnabas is with him at the time as well. And uh, the scripture talks about the fact in verse 9, this man heard Paul speaking. 
Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leapt and walked. Now, it, it's very interesting the scripture we, we read here because we don't see too often in scripture in the book of Acts where the disciples are teaching the people that God can heal them. All right? Um, and yet the scripture is very plain to us that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And But here is an account of faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God because this man he is unnamed. The Bible doesn't tell us what his name is. But he's sitting and he's listening to Paul speak. Now he's, he's been paralyzed ever since he's born. He, um, the scripture says um, he was a cripple from his mother's womb. So he's never walked. And everybody in the town knows that. But he's in Paul's meeting and Paul is preaching the gospel. And look at what the scripture says. This man heard Paul speaking. So what was Paul speaking? Because look at what Paul sees. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Uh, said with a loud voice, stand up, straighten your feet. And he left and walked. Paul was not teaching about the second coming of Christ. Paul was teaching about the healing power of God. Paul was teaching about the fact that we can be healed through the, the, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this man was listening to Paul preaching along those lines. And when he did, faith came by hearing what Paul preached. And he had faith to be healed. The Holy Spirit draws uh, Paul's attention to this man. Paul sees, yes, he has faith to be healed. And so Paul then speaks out. So Paul, in this instance, doesn't lay hands on this individual. Um, but the principle still remains the same, in that here is a sign that is performed, a miraculous sign in front of everybody. Um, there's an unfortunate spin-off to this particular sign in that everybody, because you must understand that in those, in those towns and in, in that era where Paul and, and Barnabas went preaching, that idol worship was, was rampant, that uh, the people worshipped uh, um, these Greek gods and uh, they sacrificed to them. And so they straight away thought that the gods have come down from heaven and they wanted to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas had to get that sorted out and say, no, no, guys, we're men just like you are. Um, the, the power is God's power and the name is the name of Jesus. And that is what has healed this man. Um, and the result of that is, is that multitudes in those cities, in the surrounding cities, come into the kingdom of God. And so very clearly what happens here is our Lord uses the ministry of laying on of hands among the unsaved as sign to demonstrate his power among the unsaved, as a sign to the unsaved that they can see that the power of God is real, that God is real, and that they can believe the gospel and thus be saved. And that is what the, the main purpose that our Lord uses us um, in the laying of hands among the unsaved. It's so that they, we can, he can demonstrate his power as a sign to them so that they can believe the gospel and bring them into the kingdom of God. Because ultimately that's what God is all about. He wants to bring the unsaved into the kingdom of God. And he does it uh, through these mechanisms of displaying his, his, his power and demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit through his church, through the body of Christ. Um, and we demonstrate the power of God. When we do, the unsaved see, oh, wait, well, this is actually real. God is real. He, I mean, I've, I've just seen a miracle in front of my eyes. Um, I, if, if God can do that, God can save me. And so th what this preacher is preaching about the fact that there's salvation in J Jesus Christ, I can believe that. And they do in turn believe that. And multitudes are brought into the kingdom of God. And so 
the, the main reason that we lay hands on the unbelievers is so that we can minister um, healing to them and we can uh, deliver them from demonic oppression and demonic possession. But there is another aspect to um, demonstrating the, the, the Spirit of God and the power of God among the un, unsaved in bringing them into the kingdom of God. And we read that in 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, in that particular script, verse of Scripture, what Paul is saying, because he talks about you, but you can all prophesy. And, but if you all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And in this passage of Scripture, what Paul is revealing to us is that through the gift of prophecy, the gift of the word of knowledge is being made manifest. The Holy Spirit is making the word of knowledge manifest, and he is revealing the secrets of the unbelievers' hearts who are in the meetings. These are unbelievers who have come to join the meeting for whatever reason. They might have been invited by uh, the other believers, or they might have just come in from the, off the street to come in and find out what this uh, whole thing is all about. But in those meetings, the power of well, the, the, the Holy Spirit makes himself manifest through his gifts. And one of these giftings that he uses is the gift of the word of knowledge. And in speaking the word of knowledge, he speaks the secret of the person's heart, the unbeliever who's sitting in the meeting. And that unbeliever is convicted. And the response of the unbeliever is that he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. He'll give his heart to the Lord because that is a sign that he, he can see. This is God. Only God could know this. Um, you will recall when uh, the Lord first met Philip. Philip came and, and the Lord said to him, uh, Behold the true, what was it? I think it was Nathaniel, sorry. Nathaniel, behold the true Israelite in whom there is no guile. And uh, Nathaniel says to me, he said to him, How do you know me? And he said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And uh, might be, I, I might get my people mixed up here, sorry. But anyway, it, it was either Philip or Nathaniel says, my God, uh, you are, you know, and he calls Jesus God. And the Lord said, you know, because you've seen this, uh, you believed. You're going to see even greater things than these. Um, and so there's another clear indication. Our Lord used that particular, because the Lord had used, uh, was operating through the, the gift of discerning of spirits. He had seen Philip uh, under the tree or Nathaniel under the tree. And whatever transpired at that particular point, it was something that affected um, Philip or Nathaniel, uh, so much so that they recognized that this was God speaking to them. And so when the secrets of man's heart are, are revealed, they recognize this is God dealing with them. Remember when our Lord spoke to the woman at the well in Sychar, um, and uh, he said, go call your husband. She said, I haven't got a husband. And he said, no, that's right. You tell, you tell him the truth because you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And she recognizes, well, yeah, I'm dealing with the prophet of God. And she begins to ask him about uh, the Messiah. And our Lord then witnesses to her. And she comes into the kingdom of God. And so the Holy Spirit uses these giftings to bring in the unsaved into the kingdom of God as well. And... Um, this can also happen, we, we had a look at it in that the, the gift of the word of knowledge and prophecy can also be used through the laying on of hands. In fact, in, in many people can only operate that way in that they, uh, people come up and you lay hands on them and then the, the gifting is, is, is made manifest through the individual. Um, 
but all of it is used among the unsaved so that they can so it can be used as a sign by God to the unbeliever that this is real that they are now encountering the living God and as a result of that faith arises in their heart for the gospel the message of the gospel that they've heard and they in turn can give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and so that is really the reason one of the main reasons that uh, we lay hands on the unsaved is so that the unsaved can recognize the supernatural power of God that it is real and thus come into the kingdom of God because they can in turn obviously recognize that the gospel is real and they give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. For God will use whatever method he needs in order to bring in the unsaved for it's not God's desire that any should be lost. And so if, if it, it takes a miraculous healing uh, to take place in a town that everybody knows about in order to bring everybody into the, from that town into the kingdom, that's what God will do. And that's what God did in Peter's case and in Paul's case. And believe you me, it's been done in multitudes of cases through the ages. That's how the Lord has worked in order to bring the unsaved into the kingdom of God. And so that is um, the main reason that we lay hands on the unsaved because it's been used of God as a sign when we demonstrate his power and we demonstrate the, 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 the working of the Holy Spirit it's a sign to the unbeliever that they can come into the kingdom of God. And I, I said that the main reason that we lay hands on the unsaved is so that we can heal them of their sickness and we can deliver them from uh, demonic oppression, demonic possession. You recall, we looked at the scripture last week uh, where we saw in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, where our Lord said, go out and preach the gospel to every creature. And two of the signs that would follow those who believed is that they would cast out demons in my name. And the other sign would be that they would lay their hands on the sick and the sick would recover. So those are the two main reasons that we lay hands on the unsaved so that they, the sick may recover and that we may deliver people from uh, demonic oppression and demonic possession. In doing that in going out in amongst the unsaved and ministering God's power through the laying on of hands there's more to it than us just going up and, and praying and sharing the gospel and then laying hands on people we're also going to have to live that okay um, we cannot and let's read the scriptures and then I want to just uh, talk about it and then we'll explain why it is very important for us to be living epistles. So when, when I want to talk about when I say living epistles, that when you look at me, you're seeing the power of God in reality. You're seeing what God can do and has done uh, in me as a believer. And uh, we're dealing specifically with the area of healing those who are sick and uh, casting out demons of those who are demon-possessed or demon-oppressed. And this is where we as Christians, as believers, need to be walking in front of the unbelievers in the world as living epistles. So they need to be looking at our lives and saying, well, wait a minute, there's something different about you. Why is it that I get sick and you don't? Let's go look at the scripture. And there's three scriptures I want to look at. And the first is in Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 16. And the scripture says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and so Matthew is now quoting Isaiah the prophet, and Isaiah's prophecy was, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This is something that Jesus Christ did for us when he went to the cross. He himself uh, took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. That's the first scripture I want to have a look at. Second scripture I want to look at is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Scripture says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so here we see Paul writing to the church in Galatia, and he's telling them, and he's telling us, well, the Holy Spirit is actually telling us, he's saying that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So what is the curse of the law? If you go look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, the scripture very plainly tells us that sickness and disease is under the curse of the law. It, goes, it lists a whole bunch of sicknesses and diseases. But then it has a, a, an added part in there. It says, and every sickness and every disease not recorded in this book is under the curse of the law. And so very plainly, every single curse, every single sickness and every single disease on this planet is under the curse of the law. And the scripture very plainly tells us in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. When did he do that? When he went to the cross, we were, when we were redeemed through our Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice of himself on the cross. And then the last scripture I want us to look at before I comment in detail would be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Scripture says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, so here's three scriptures. And from three different writers, I've quoted Matthew, I've quoted Paul, and I've quoted Peter. All three of them have spoken on this subject. And they've all said the same thing. And the Bible teaches us that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so what have these three witnesses witnessed to us? Each one of them have witnessed to us that the redemptive work of Jesus Christ done for us on the cross involved more than just redeeming us from our sin. Now, when I say just redeeming us from our sin, I'm not belittling that at all. That is the, the crux of salvation, is that we have been redeemed from sin and we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so that is the main work of the cross that was done for us um, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that is not the only thing, uh, work that was done on the cross for us. Because we've just read three scriptures telling us what else was done for us on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Matthew and Isaiah says, He himself um, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus has borne my sicknesses. We all believe Jesus bore our sin, and we're quite comfortable with that as believers. Jesus, you've borne my sin. I thank you. I can walk in the righteousness of God because you took away my sin. you borne my sin. I don't have to carry it anymore. Thank you, Lord. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But here we see our Lord Jesus Christ also bore our sicknesses. He took away our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. We saw in uh, Paul writing to the church at, at uh, Galatia, 
He became a curse for us. For the scripture very plainly says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Our Lord hung on a tree for us. That cross was a tree. And he hung on that for us. And he became cursed for us. And we have been redeemed from the curse of the law through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we, I've shown you, and you can go look it up yourself in Deuteronomy ch tw chapter 28. The, the scripture is very plain about the fact that every sickness and every disease on this earth is under the curse of the law. And we've seen very plainly in scripture that Christ has redeemed us from every sickness and every disease because he took it upon himself when he, he went to the cross. And then Peter's uh, uh, scripture that we quoted Again, let's look at it again. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And may, mo, every Christian believes that with all their heart, that Jesus has borne our sins in his own body on the tree. We believe that, and because we do, we're born again, we're saved. But in that same verse of Scripture, it says, by whose stripes you were healed. And so many Christians struggle. They believe, they all believe the first part of that verse, but they struggle to believe the second part. By his stripes you were healed. And yet, there it is. It's in one, the same verse of Scripture. Um, there's a hyphen there. Uh, but even Peter didn't write in, in hyphens, but it's there. At the same time, Jesus, when he bore my sin, he also bore my sicknesses and my diseases by his stripes. When he went into that uh, praetorium and the, 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 they scourged him with those whips, those stripes that he bore on his back, he bore them so that I can walk in divine health, so that I can be healed. And so just as my Lord Jesus took upon himself my sin so that I could take upon myself his righteousness, so he took upon himself in his body my sickness and my disease that I may take upon myself in my body his health. He has provided for me as a believer to walk in divine health. Um, and there's no other clear way I can explain it except the fact that there's three accounts in scripture that and all of it is past tense all of it is done because it was done on the cross in the mind of God the Father this is an accomplished work of Christ this is not something that's still going to be done this is something that has already been done and so the, the believer the Christian has access to divine health through that which Jesus Christ has already done for us on the cross and as I say, it's a, it's a fact. It's done. Let's go back to, to salvation, okay? Christ went to the cross for everybody on the, on the planet. He died, and he took upon himself the sin of the world. He has paid the price for everyone to be saved. There's no one who is excluded from the plan of salvation. God went to the cross for every single person. From the time of Adam until the time of his second coming, he has paid the price for everybody's sin. But not everybody gets saved, okay? Because this, uh, the, the, this, the scripture gets spoken, the gospel gets spoken, and only certain individuals believe that. Those who believe it receive salvation in Christ Jesus and experience the miracle of the new birth. Those who choose not to believe it don't get saved. They don't experience the miracle of the new birth. They stay condemned and they will experience the eternal damnation. 
But the fact doesn't change whether, they, whether we believe it or whether we don't believe it. does not change the fact that Jesus Christ has gone to the cross and paid for everybody's sin. It's done. As far as God the Father is concerned, as far as, as, as Jesus our Lord is concerned, it's an, a, a done deal. It, he, he did it. He paid the price. In exactly the same manner when it comes to healing that is provided for the body of Christ, and it's only for the body of Christ, okay? Um, for it's by His stripes that we were healed. He bore our sickness and carried. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We who are in Christ, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You have to be in Christ in order for these scriptures to apply to your life. These scriptures do not apply to the unbeliever. The unbeliever out there cannot say, okay, uh, by his stripes I was healed, so I'm going to believe that I'm healed. No, because you have to be inside the body of Christ in order to receive the blessing of the body of Christ. And so these scriptures apply to the believers, these three particular scriptures. And we believe those scriptures. Um, and so we are healed because but, uh, of what we believe. But again, I, I wanted to emphasize the fact that it is, it is an accomplished fact. And whether we choose to believe it or not is not going to change the work that's been done on the cross, okay? Those of us who choose to believe these scriptures and walk by them, by faith, as we do with our salvation, experience divine health. We experience God looking after our bodies, and obviously we have a role to play, and I'm not going to get into the, de the uh, 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 detailed discussion about what we have to do because we are meant to be good stewards of our body and, and, and feed them properly and things like that. However, He keeps sickness and disease away from us as long as we are walking in the light of that word and we believe in we walk in it by faith. And that's what He does in our lives. Now, as a believer, um, if I choose not to believe that, because those three scriptures, and say, yeah, I'm not fully convinced that you know, Jesus took my sicknesses, uh, that, you know, you're still saved, you're still going to heaven, no change. Uh, however, you're obviously in a, in a different ballpark because now you're not going to be claiming the divine health that has been delivered to you through the, uh, the accomplished work that Jesus has done on the cross. But at the same time, when we get over into this ministry of laying on of hands, especially among the unsaved and going out and laying on hands on the unsaved that they may be healed, if you're not walking in the divine health given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to experience problems in trying to operate in the ministry of the laying on of hands for the unbelievers in order to get them healed. Um, why do I say that? Well, uh, it is impossible for a blind person to lay hands on another blind person in order for, to get them to, to see. And remember we saw earlier in, uh, in, in, the, in the teaching that faith is involved through the laying on of hands. Nothing happens without faith. You have to believe it. Um, the person doing the laying on of hands has to believe that when they lay hands on the individual that the power of God is going to be uh, imparted through the laying on of hands into their bodies and cause the healing to take place in their bodies. On the, in the same manner, the person who's, who's been prayed for and having hands laid on them has also got to exercise faith that when this person lays their hands on my body, I will receive healing from God and I will thus be healed. And so faith has to be activated on both sides. However, if the person that you are ministering to, um, unsaved, if you're wanting to get them to believe that Jesus Christ can heal them through the laying on of your hands, and you are clearly sick yourself, 
you're not going to generate any kind of faith in them uh, that, okay, God's power is real and Jesus, the name of Jesus can heal me. They've got to be able to see it in you. That's why I'm talking about we need to be living epistles in this area in order for us to be effectively used by God through the laying of hands for, the, for people to be healed. And as again, I said, it's impossible for a blind person to lay hands on another blind person so that they may be healed. We have to be demonstrating the power of God in our lives, that we are walking in the divine health given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I opened up the, this particular section by stating that people will look at you and say, why is it that we get sick and you don't? Wow, what a beautiful way to open up and say, well, okay, let me, sh let me share with you. I am a, I'm a, a, a believer in Christ Jesus. I'm born again. And Jesus keeps my body well. And because by his stripes I was healed, and that's why I don't get sick, okay? And if you want me to pray for you, that Jesus who's in me, who keeps my body well, can heal your body. And that's the testimony that then causes that individual to say, okay, I can see it in this person. I've watched the. Remember we said that the laying on of hands that we practice as individual believers in the body of Christ is amongst our peers, amongst those who we interact with in our daily walk, uh, in our workplace environment, in our social environments. Um, and there they can see, okay, this is an individual that every winter, everybody else gets flu. This particular individual never gets flu. Why is it? What's different about you? What, what is your secret? Do you take some kind of special potion? You know, I want to know about this potion that you take. So you, I don't have to get flu every winter. And you can share, share with him. Yes, okay, let me show you the potion of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And you can ref, uh, refer them and you can show them and they can see it in your life because you are a walking, living epistle. However, if you're a Christian who gets sick just as often as they get sick, um, and you say, and they get sick, and you say, "Come, let me lay hands on you, and God's going to heal you." And they're going to say, "But wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I, I saw you last week. You were you were coughing and spluttering just the same as I'm doing this week. So, you know, what are you talking about? Jesus is going to heal me. He doesn't heal you. So why should he heal me?" Um, and so that's what I'm talking about. That we need to be living epistles. We should really be that testimony. And the the, the sin aspect is exactly the same way. Uh, and I'm, I'm not digressing slightly, but let me just go down that road because the Holy Spirit wants me to do that but when we come into the kingdom of God we are dead to sin we die to sin let's go have a look at that scripture that we, that we just read in Peter uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 again and uh, Peter writing to the church he says who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness Paul says guys Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, no. He said, don't you know that you've died to sin? And so we've died to sin. And so as believers, one of the things that we claim by faith, because don't forget, when we, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're saved. We're born again. Our spirits are created. We're new created. be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. And so that's instantaneous. That takes place. Your spirit gets born again. Um, and you're a child of God instantaneously. However, Playing out in the natural, in, in this life, we now need to live lives displaying that which has transpired on the inside. And part of what has transpired on the inside is our old man has died. And so we no longer, sin has no more dominion over us. And as believers, we are well able to walk completely sinless. And we, our, our lives, as there's as the lives of living epistles again, amongst the unbelievers should be showing them, but wait a minute, here's somebody who just doesn't ever 
seem to sin. What's wrong with this person? They would look at you from being a, you know, a bit strange completely from that point of view. You know, they don't understand why you don't get, you don't curse and swear and carry on like they do anymore. And so that is, a, again, a, a demonstration of the inworking through, well, the outworking of what is transpired inside of us by God, by His grace. He does it through us, for it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me that I might live for Him. And so we do, we walk as living epistles before the unbelievers in righteousness. Okay? They see how we walk as those who are righteous before them and they see that we walk differently that we behave differently and we do that because we have died to sin he took our sins away and so a lot of christians don't really get this part of their, their salvation they understand that i'm born again that jesus has died for my sin i'm saved and i'm going to go to heaven thank you lord but they struggle in the area of walking free from sin and again, it's by faith. We do this walk by faith. But I, I've digressed enough on that particular point. But be that as it may, we should be walking among the unbelievers as living epistles of righteousness. And in the same manner, we should be walking among the unbelievers as living epistles of divine health. Because it has been won for us through the precious blood and body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has done that for us. And he's provided it for us. It's a done thing. It is up to us to appropriate that by faith, walk in it, and experience the blessing of it. And so you have the double blessing in that you walk this life in a, in a healthy manner, and God uses you to lay hands on the sick of the unbelievers and thus cause them to come into the kingdom of God because they get healed. They see the power of God demonstrated through your life and through your laying on of hands. And that sign brings them into the kingdom of God. And so you're going to have to, if you're going to lay hands on the unsaved in order for them to be healed, you're going to have to have unwavering faith in the healing power of God, both in your own life, because it's very difficult for you to believe for healing for somebody else if you're struggling to believe for healing for yourself. I think it's impossible, but all things are possible with God. So, no, it's not impossible. However, I would imagine it's very difficult that if you're sick, uh, to lay hands on somebody who's also sick and get them healed. Um, so you're going to have to be fully convinced in your mind that God has provided healing for you. You can walk, you des you're entitled to it. I was nearly said you deserve it, but that's not the right word because we don't deserve anything. Everything is given to us by grace. Uh, but we're entitled to it because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we claim that and we walk in that. And that brings him glory, by the way. Whenever we walk in faith in, in the word of God and we demonstrate his word in our lives, uh, working out through our lives, that brings glory to God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as you have unwavering faith in Jesus being your healer and your, your provider of divine health, uh, for want of a better word, um, you need to have unwavering faith in the fact that when you lay hands on the sick that they will recover because Jesus said they would because we walk in faith. And so our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't ever change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And um, we're going to have a look at our Lord Jesus and what he did when he walked the earth so that we can have some idea as to what it is that he's wanting us to do when we walk the earth as believers. And we'll look at Acts chapter 10. Um, as our opening scripture and then I'm going to read a couple more and then I'm going to comment on those scriptures and um, the scripture says in, in reading from verse 38 
Scripture says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So it's very important. You see, a lot of Christians have a huge problem with sickness and disease. And as to who's responsible for it, God put sickness on me. So if God put sickness on me, then I can't believe him that he's going to heal me. Well, if God put sickness on you, then don't go to the doctor either because, you know, you, you're fighting against God by trying to get the doctor to heal you because God has put sickness on you. I don't want to go down the road, but it's, it's weird to me how many Christians just get this so confused um, that, uh, and yet the Bible is so plain. Here's our Lord, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? By the devil. Why did Jesus do it? Because God was with him. And so God the Father was in. Remember Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. My Father in me, he's the one doing the works. And so here's God in, in his son, Jesus Christ, going around healing all who are oppressed by God, no, by the devil. The devil is the one who was causing sickness and disease and oppressing people with sickness and disease. Jesus was the one going around and healing everybody who was oppressed by the devil with sickness and disease. And so it's so very clear as to who provides the healing and who provides the sickness. Uh, God is the healer and Satan is the one who makes sick. Let's look at another scripture along that line. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. And I, I understand God was, the Son of God was manifested for many things. But for this, this is one of the purposes. And John is saying it. The Holy Spirit through John says it. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus came into the earth to destroy the works of the devil. And we just saw in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, what did he do? How did he destroy the works of the devil? By going around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Um, and so that's what Jesus did. And that's what he, he, he still does. And so clearly from these scriptures, we can see that sickness is from the devil and healing is from God. And you have to have that so clearly in your mind. Because if you're going to start, because that's a lie of the devil. What did Satan say to Eve? Has God said? And so that's what Satan does. That's he, that, is, that is his main tool. Question God. Question what God has said. And let's twist it. And that's what he did. He deceives Eve. He twists what God has said. And she gets deceived and she commits sin. And Paul said, gee, I hope you guys haven't been deceived like Eve was. Um, and he said, don't let anyone try and deceive you from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the simplicity in this area is that God is the healer and Satan is the one who puts sickness and disease upon people. And you need to have that very clearly in your own mind uh, and, and fully believe that in order for you to be effective in going out and laying hands on the un, unsaved in order for them to be healed. But I opened up with saying that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that which our Lord began to do when he came to the earth, he is continuing to do that even today. So what do I mean? Okay, because I mean, when our Lord came to the earth, he went to the cross 
and he said it is finished the work's done and he's now seated at the right hand of the father and he's waiting for his enemies to be put under his footstool yes that is the case however everybody who had to be saved still has to be saved all right so it's not a case of jesus sat down and now father everybody's going to be saved that needs to be saved so that's it we don't have to do anything no he still sends us out and we preach the gospel and when we preach the gospel those who are, who are appointed to salvation come into the kingdom and those who are not appointed to salvation uh, reject the gospel they don't believe it and so that part of the work of christ continues in the earth today we he sent us into all the earth um and this part of, God, of the work of Christ has not ended either because we still go into all the earth and we destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because it is Christ who dwells in us. The work that he got, the mandate that he got from God the Father to go into all the world and preach the gospel and heal the sick and raise the dead, that mandate has not ended. That mandate continues. But he, the, the, the method, the, the, the mechanism has changed in that Jesus no longer walks the earth in his own body physically on the earth and going around in ministry. He uses his spiritual body, whom we are, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ in the earth. And Jesus accomplishes his work in the earth through us. We are his members. Our bodies are his bodies. He uses our hands. Our hands are his hands. And we go out and we continue to lay hands on the sick that they may recover. Even as Jesus Christ our Lord, when he was on the earth, did that. So we continue to do that. And he continues to do that through us as we avail ourselves to him. And as we walk in faith in doing that. That's how the Lord is able to minister healing uh, among the unsaved and the, the other scripture i want us to look at is in mark chapter 3 verse 27 and this is our lord teaching us and he's 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 given us some insight as to how to go about doing what he did okay remember the scripture said how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil and uh, for this reason, the, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we understand that he destroyed the works of the devil in sin when he went to the cross and he went into hell and he died for us. But he also, when our Lord was on the earth, was destroying the works of the devil. He was healing people. And the works of the devil is to make people sick. That's what Satan, he's good at. That's what he does. He brings sickness and disease upon people's lives. And there's other things, obviously, that he does. But sickness and disease is part of it. And demonic oppression and demonic possession is part of what he does. And Jesus was on, on the earth destroying the works of the devil. And he wants us to do exactly the same. And now in Mark uh, chapter 3, verse 27, our Lord is giving us kind of a heads up. This is how you need to go out and do it, folks. This is how I did it. Okay? And he says... No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. And so Jesus bound the strong man when he walked on the earth through prayer. He, um, I won't go into his earthly ministry at this time, but think about the fact that he has bound the strong man now for us at this time because he went into the, the pit of hell 
and he destroyed uh, him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and all power and all authority in heaven and earth has been given to our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord said, go ye therefore. And so when he said all power and all authority has been given unto me in both in heaven and on earth, go ye therefore. He has delegated his authority and his power in the earth to his church. We are his body. And so we use his power, his authority in the earth, and we go forth and we destroy the works of the devil. But one of the ways that we do it is we have to bind the strong man. And Satan is the strong man of the earth. For Satan is still the God of this world. That hasn't changed. Paul called him the God of this world in the epistles. So even though our Lord has destroyed him and destroyed his power and all authority and all power has been uh, given to our Lord, there's a dispensation that still has to be fulfilled. And in that dispensation, Satan is still legally the God of this world. And as the God of this world, every single unbeliever on the planet is under his control to a greater or lesser degree. Um, because he is the God of this world. And you can either be uh, under the, the kingdom of darkness or the, in the kingdom, under the kingdom of light. You cannot be, there's no gray area. You're either in Satan's kingdom or in God's kingdom. Now, most in Satan's kingdom will not acknowledge they are under Satan's rule and reign. They are fully convinced that they are their own um, person and nobody you know, is over, over them. However, that's not the truth. The Bible is very plain. He's the God of this world and he exercises authority over everyone on the planet who is not part of his kingdom. We, however, be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of the Lover of, of, our Lord, of God our Father and we now exercise the authority that our Lord has over him and over his kingdom. We have that authority. He has no authority over the believer unless the believer gives it to him. I don't want to go down that road today. But we have the authority over him. And so one of the things that we do, because now don't forget, when we go into among the unsaved to lay hands on the sick of the unsaved, we're going into his territory, okay? Into his world, because he is the God of this world. He's the, the rulers of this age fall under Satan. All of the angels that uh, are governing the world in their various principalities and powers all fall under him as being the ultimate ruler of this world. And so when we go in and lay hands on an unbeliever, that unbeliever belongs to Satan. Not going to go into any depth on that, but that's the truth of the matter. Okay? And he does not take kindly to us going into his house and plundering his goods. Okay? And our Lord calls him a strong man. For he is. There, he, there, and Satan does have power. And he says, you can't do it unless you first bind the strong man. And so one of the things that we do before we go out and we lay hands on the unbelievers so that they may be healed, is that we pray and we bind Satan. We say to Satan, we're going into this area now, we're going to be um, bringing the, preaching the gospel, we're going to be laying hands on the sick, and we bind all demonic spirits in this area. We do not allow you to interfere with the work of God in any way. And again, I'm not going to teach in that line today because that's not the subject of this, of this teaching today. But the point is that the Lord is saying, we're going into his territory when we do this, when we practice this ministry. And when you do it, you have to bind him. Because unless you do, you're not going to be able to plunder his goods. And so the first thing we do is we bind that strong man so we can go in and we can plunder his goods and we can do what our Lord did. We can destroy the works of the devil, his works of sicknesses, because he's the one who's put sickness and disease on those individuals that we want to pray for. He's the one who's bound them in demonic oppression and demonic possession. Remember that... Um, that woman that was bound for 18 years. What did our Lord say? He said, Ought not this woman whom Satan has bound for 18 years be loosed 
from her infirmity on the Sabbath. And the, you know, the rabbi got very upset because it was done on the Sabbath. But the Lord made it very plain. Satan was the one who had bound this woman for 18 years. And Jesus was the one who loosed her. He said, daughter, thou loosed from your infirmity. And so God is the healer. Satan is the one who brings about the sickness. And as I say, when we go in and we start messing with Satan's kingdom, uh, we better get it right. And the way we get it right is we bind him before we go in and we tackle him. And then we can plunder his goods. Um, because our Lord has already uh, taken from him all, if uh, go back and study the Gospels, our Lord spoke about the fact that he removed his armor from him, and our Lord's done that. He has uh, disarmed principalities and powers. And so we have all of the power and authority in Christ Jesus to do what our Lord has uh, told us to do. However, for the believer who themselves are being bound by Satan through sickness and disease, they cannot go into Satan's territory and loose uh, those who are, who are in his kingdom already and loose them from their sickness and disease so that they can be healed. And so I, it's very important for us as believers to walk in the reality of the fact. And this is two, there's a number of things that our Lord did for us on the cross. But two of those we can really look at it and believe and work on with regards to this doctrine of laying on hands is that we have been redeemed from sin and we've been redeemed from sickness. And we can walk from free from sin and we can walk free from sickness. And as we do, we become living epistles to the unbelievers out there. And we have that... that um, it's not a testimony is not the right word, it's not what I want to do, but we have that kind of reputation amongst the unbelievers. Here is one who never gets sick. And so if they tell you that they can lay hands on you to be healed, you better believe it because I've no, I know these people, they don't get sick. And uh, it's God that must be doing it through them. And that is what God uses as a, a testimony to the unbelievers in order to generate faith. And obviously we tell them about the fact that Jesus is the healer and he dwells within us and he is the one that keeps our bodies free from sickness and disease. We're not bound by sickness and disease. We can loose you. We have power and authority over that sickness that is attacking your body. If you want me to heal you, come up across here. Let me lay hands on you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and you will be healed. And believe you me, that's exactly what will transpire. And the ultimate is not so that you can be glorified so that people can say, well, there's a guy who's really anointed of God and he can heal the sick. No, 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 no. The ultimate is so that those people can be, uh, see the real power of God, believe in the gospel and come into the kingdom of God. For that is the reason that we lay hands on the unsaved, so that it can be a sign to them that they may come into the kingdom of God and thus be born again. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.